We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. What an excellent day for an exorcism. You'd like that? Intensely. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in from Los Angeles, California. Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more with your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. Hey, this is Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren, and Leo, welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 254. This time around, you are joined by the extraordinary Kat Von D. At time of release, her new album, Love Made Me Do It, is available everywhere now. It's a beautiful tapestry of John Carpenter-esque horrorscapes crashing into the sounds of classically influenced synthwave giallo, and we just cannot get enough. Join us as Kat guides you through this journey of inspiration and whimsy. She talks about her love of Victoriana, architecture and art, her new haunted mansion, the incredibly cool music videos that have been a part of this experience, some of her favorite horror films, and so much more. The Love Made Me Do It tour with special guest prayers kicks off September 27th in Phoenix, also includes dates on the 28th in San Diego, the 30th in L.A., and San Francisco, October 2nd. Tickets and up-to-date info over at KatVonD.com. The amazing Kat Von D in studio with you and the Boo Crew, and it starts now. Hey, this is Kat Von D, and you're listening to another terrifying episode of The Boo Crew. Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew in the Speakeasy studio is a passionate creative force and one of the most compelling and evocative artists of our lifetime. A classically trained piano player beginning at the age of five, her love and talent for visual art propelled her into her first job at a tattoo shop at the age of only 16. By 2005, her skills and charismatic personality was put on a podium with TLC's massively successful Miami Inc. and changed the popularity of the art of tattooing forever. In 2007, and with her very own studio in Hollywood, she brought us LA Inc., which quickly became the highest-rated primetime cable program and etched her name into pop culture itself. As an author, her first two books chronicling her work became instant New York Times bestsellers. She launched the world's most successful beauty line, a vegan footwear collection, 
Through It All continues to be a heartfelt amplifier of awareness and support for animal rights, not only through education, but through endless donations. City of Hope, the LA LGBT Center, Vitamin Angel's goals of eradicating childhood blindness, and more. She built an art gallery and founded the world's biggest tattoo and music festival. For her true religion has always been music. When you think about it, her spirit already courses through the greatest creators in its history. She has painted the cathedrals of Lady Gaga, Dave Grohl, Billy Joe Armstrong, Beyonce, and countless others. She is the muse that has inspired countless songs, created diaries of memories, and armor for dreams. Now, through a collection of her own original music, she continues this romantic exploration into darkness. It is brazenly cinematic and vulnerable. Combining intimate sounding production, a voice serrated with emotion, and a melodic sense that has more in common with classical music than any traditional sense of pop songwriting. It taps into something really archaic. In a very bold way, it sounds like the soundtrack to creativity itself. At time of release, her new album, Love Made Me Do It, is available everywhere now, followed by a tour this fall. It is an honor and absolute pleasure to welcome the illustrious Kat Von D. Yeah! Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just blushing over here. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming to hang out with us today. Yeah, of yes. course. My pleasure. This is incredible. And congrats on... This journey that is about to unlock with this album, right? Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's been a long time coming, actually. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I would say uh, the blueprint to this act of love is encoded back in your extraordinary 2013 book, Go Big or Go Home. Yeah. It talks about a mysterious package sent to your doorstep (laughs) a few years uh, prior. So tell us what the package was and how it changed everything for you. Yeah. So basically... um, I was kind of in this uh, unrequited love, re- dysfunctional relationship, I guess you could call it, with somebody who's uh, a musician uh, that lived overseas. And, you know, I think we just had one of those just hesitancy to try somehow, like you, when you want something so bad, but you don't want to fuck it up. So it's like you'd rather just not play so that you don't lose, you know, and it's, it, it, you know, I think looking back now, is so immature. I wish we, we, you know, could have had the courage to to say and do what we wanted, but, um, but, um, but everything happens for a purpose anyway. So he ended up writing me an album and then he mailed it to my house. And when it arrived, I opened it and the box and inside it had a note that said, um, these are all the the things that are easier sung than said. And I sat down and I, I listened to the album and I was just so moved by it. And I was like, what better way to respond than with an album? So I'm going to write an album. And just like anything else I do, I'm like, I need to learn how to master it. I'm not just going to go in and, pretend like I know what I'm doing. So I started taking voice lessons with uh, my vocal coach for uh, two years, six days a week, two hours a day. And um, yeah. And then, you know, and and within that time frame, I was already starting to write and, uh, and yeah, I guess that's, that's where it, it it went, but you know, life gets in the way of life. I was filming a TV show that I went on book tour that I launched a makeup line, all this stuff. And I just kept putting like the one thing that I was the most passionate about on like a back burner. And so it wasn't until last year when I, I said, like, I don't want to wait anymore. I want to go on tour. I want to release this album that I've been sitting on for so long. And so I sold my makeup line and just made time to be able to go out. And so we were supposed to go and tour in the fall and then <laughs> everybody's lives got turned upside yeah. down. So, um, so we've just been kind of in a holding tank, but now finally we're going to be able to tour. Ah, so, yeah. so incredible. <laughs> Such an incredible awesome. story too. And there's something, there's an exercise in that book that, we love and it's kind of about like if you forget the shackles that you pick up over the journey of your lives and 
if you were able to know for sure, I think that's what you said. If you were able to know for sure, if you were capable of mastering anything and not just seeing those things as something like the one is predestined to do or something you're born with, what would you do? And what's the power of positioning yourself just to be aware and open to those opportunities? I mean, first of all, I don't believe that people are born with it. I don't think there's such thing as, I guess, innate talent. I think uh, things are are learned. Uh, I mean, definitely as far as creativity goes and your, your life experiences, those things um, mold what you're going to sing about or draw about or, you know, express yourself about. But I feel like as far as, um, you know, like when they say geniuses, it's just like, Oh, most of these people, they just put in the hours, you know, like for me, for example, like I was good at, I, I became good at tattooing at an early age, but that's because I started when I was 14 years old. You know, and I had, you know, those, however, a decade up on a lot of people. Um, but I feel like, um, you know, it shouldn't be intimidating in that sense. It just, you know, if you have that uh, um, that information that says, hey, you can do whatever you want. You just have to work really hard for it yeah. and put in the time. Then you can do anything, you know. So, um, you know, and as you guys know now, I have, I have a, a son now. So my uh, <laughs> my compartmentalization of time is a little bit crazy now. <laughs> Before I used to be able to do, you know one thing all day long yeah, now i have to schedule right. it from nine to five and then after five it's family time and, yeah. you know, and then he goes to sleep at eight and then i can go until like 2 a.m so it's just, you know it's a little bit crazier now what has that perspective given you do you, do you enjoy those moments more now yeah i mean i i don't know if it's any more or less i think um but uh, you know I, to be honest, I never wanted to be a mom. I never, I never saw that in my cards. I wasn't yeah. like, oh, you know, there's some, some of my friends are like, I'm going to get married. I'm going to have kids. And that's like written in the stars. And for me, I was like, oh, I'm married to my job. My art is my baby, you know? And, um, and then I fell in love with my husband, you know, and he, you know, he's so amazing. And he, he wanted to have six kids. And I was like, uh, <laughs> hell no, hell no. I'm like, you get one. <laughs> that's the compromise. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, someone asked me the other day if, if, if like, motherhood changes like or you lose your edge or something and i don't really see that like i still dress the same i still feel the same i still write about the same things that i want to write about you know i, I just am and, and it's funny because when exorcism my first single was released we, there was like posters all throughout la and my husband was driving with leafar my son in the back seat and he saw one of the posters and was like, mama. And I'm like wearing latex with like crazy claw nails and like, you know, and that's, I'm his mom, you know, to him, that's normal. And so I, I, I like that, you know, hopefully, hopefully when he grows up, he won't think I'm too weird. No, I think he'll have appreciation for all these things. Like our kids, I mean, look at our house. Yeah. It's super crazy, <laughs> yeah. but they see the art in it. Of course. Yeah. And, which is amazing. And I think it makes really creative kids. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And yeah that's the plan. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of that and just kind of nurturing your own creativity, yeah. beginning firstly with your love of Victorian architecture yeah. and what that awakens with you. What are the elements of oh, that, man. that make that feel like home to you? I am the like the, the most <laughs> like crazy passionate about uh, all things Victorian, really. But I've always loved decor. I've always felt like it's important, no matter what style you're about, to create that sanctuary wherever you are. Because, um, like, even when I would go on tour and be in a hotel room, I would always like put some like scarves around, over like lamps and just kind of make it your own. I think that's really, really important. And uh, instead of having living unconsciously, I feel like you know. And so, 
But it's funny because people, a lot of people, are like, oh, I, I would love to. You should be like my. What is it called when you decorate people's like homes? An interior yeah. decorator. Yeah. Or whatever. And I was yeah. like, I'm useless. I can only do creepy Victorian stuff. That's all. <laughs> like I wouldn't know how to do modern. I can't do 60s, 50s. Like no, I do, it's like um, 1800s and before. That's about it. <laughs> so yeah. And <laughs> so, then you recently got this uh, the Shank Mansion in yeah, Indiana. That's right. I I actually have had my eye on that mansion for a really long time. It's obviously on like the the historical. Homes of America list and and I think it's actually on a few haunted lists as well. Yeah, yeah, most uh, haunted house in Indiana apparently. Yeah. Wow. I d- I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I think I think it could be. I've never had the privilege of having a ghost experience, but um, but yeah. So it it was a bed and breakfast for ten years, and then it went on the market, and I was like, you know, we've been wanting to find a place that's outside of the city. We've been living in Hollywood like all of our lives, you know, and now that we have a kid, I'm like, I want him to be around nature and just a little bit of a slower pace. And so it's a teeny tiny town of 10,000 people. I mean, there's literally like three stores there. One of them's a quilt shop. That's (laughs) awesome. Yeah. And, you know, we're like spitting distance from the Ohio River. And so the, the lady who I bought it from, she she's from that town the town's called vive and um she just grew up looking at this house and was like one day i'm going to to own it you know and so it was dilapidated for a while she ended up doing a great an amazing job at restoring it um to the best ability that she could but it was made for like a bed and breakfast so it was very kind of more like grandma florally like you know, it's a, a different, it's like the softer side of Sears for Victorian <laughs> yeah. houses. And right. so I was like, okay, yeah, all that's going to go <laughs> like, you know, let's, let's, uh, you know, really push it and make this like, you know, Casa Von D style. So, so we're, we're in the process of doing that right now. That's but it's, incredible. It's like wow. over 25 rooms. It's pr- pretty massive. Oh my oh, God. Wow. So did they end yeah. up converting it? Like when they did the bed and breakfast, did everything get converted into like almost like apartment size no, little things or no? She kept it intact. Um, oh, it's just, good. but what's really fascinating is that most Victorian houses don't have a lot of bathrooms or, and they usually have zero closets. That's right. They used to have like um, armoires and stuff. This one has over 13 fireplaces and. Wow. Um, I think there's a bathroom in each of them, each of the rooms. And there's, uh, they're all this copper inlaid bathtubs with like walnut encasing. So it's kind of, it's kind of crazy because I, I think back then you used to have to pay taxes on certain rooms. So anyways, the, the, the Shank mansion was owned by Benjamin Franklin Shank, who was like a big hay, hay supplier, a hay maker. And then he owned like all the steamboats. So I think in that town he was like the richest guy yeah you know? wow but yeah and the lore is that it's haunted yeah okay so it's funny because when she sold the house she's like it's as is you get everything in it and so i was like okay cool it had amazing furniture and stuff but um inside each room was like a journal that like all the guests like if you stayed at at like at the bed and breakfast you would write your experience and so i read through all of them oh and there was gosh. just like so many ghost experiences <laughs> that's great though <laughs> yeah that's really cool yeah. but she warned me she was like hey you know um like if they if they don't if the house doesn't like you it just lets you know it gets really loud and I was like oh does it like me and she's like it's pretty quiet I'm like, it's pretty quiet okay <laughs> but but then my contractor like st- he started seeing some stuff and I was like oh yeah this house does not like you <laughs> but um and any plans to have a medium over to find out who's living who's staying there what kind no of you know why <laughs> because to me um like I've been to some of the darkest places on the planet I feel like I've been I've sat at the railroads of Treblinka you know and I it's like um, you feel that heavy energy. Yeah. Right. And then like my house here in Hancock Park and then the one in D- Indiana, you go in there, it just feels good. Like, <laughs> yeah. so if there is any presence, it's just more like 
Uh, you, you know, I hope you welcome me and, um, you know, I'll do my best it to take be care cool. of you. Yeah. yeah but nice. I will tell you this, um, you know, when, when you uh, saw the house, like they changed like the internet and stuff. So you have to return the modem. And so, uh, Lisa, the, the lady who sold it to me, she came over and she's like, can I pick up that modem? I'm like, sure. No problem. She gets it, unplugs it. And we're just walking down the hallway and I'm just looking over and the entire time the modem is like on and blinking, what? like oh unplugged. And, and then she, she just casually looks down. She goes, yeah, this is what I'm talking about. I was like, okay. it's, like, it's like ghost Morse code. It's trying yeah. to give you a message. Yeah. 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 She said that it's the house is called the police um, on its own before a couple of times. Like, uh, oh, geez. Yeah. So who knows? I, I love it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you love it. Speaking of that, you also love to surround yourself with beautiful antiques and artwork, yeah. right? Pieces yeah. by Brian Poor and Sonny Palencia and yeah. Kevin Llewellyn, who did that stunning portrait of you and Raph for yeah. your wedding. That's right. Which is a beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. What, do, what, do you, what do you get out of surrounding yourself well, with, with I'll art? tell you that. I am not a materialistic person. I don't, you know, like if you were to do a Cribs episode of my house, there's not going to be gold-plated toilets. Sure. I don't care about that <laughs> shit. But the one thing that I will fight you in a divorce over <laughs> will be my artwork that's it like like paintings to me are like the most valuable like i don't have a television that's my tele that's my entertainment like you know um i there's like a few pieces in the house that hopefully when you guys come over you can see that are, are just like uh, i could stare at them until the day that i die you know and there is some kind of i don't it's not egoic but it is selfish like i i want to own it I, I want to take care of this. Like, I don't want this in anyone else's house. I, and I'm a big collector of Kevin Well and stuff. I like anytime he, you know, he shows me stuff while he's working. I'm like mine. mine. <laughs> like, don't, don't even post it on Instagram. It's mine. Like your in-house yeah. artist. Yeah. But, yeah. There, there's like an energy transference almost. Yeah. Isn't it? Like, yeah. I think so. Stuff? For sure. Um, I recently acquired like the most, my most, I guess the thing I love the most in my house. It's a, it's actually a wooden sculpture by um that it was commissioned by napoleon by his favorite woodworker back in the 1800s and it it is a it's the creepiest secret cabinet in the shape of a cello and it's got all these kind of crazy demons and stuff and he commissioned it for his favorite cello player as a gift and um i i found it from a dealer in montreal and i was like you need a white glove that service that yeah. shit over here right now. <laughs> like wow. I want this, my, and that's what sits like in front of our bed. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. That's yeah. beautiful. So in 2018, you posted a video of your gorgeous wedding. Oh yeah. And there's a moment when you are at this amazing red piano yeah. in a red wedding dress, <laughs> donned in red horns. Yeah. And you're playing Nick Caves into my arms. Yeah. And Rav is, is so moved just to go and be in that moment with you yeah. and you look over and, and I choked you're rendered speechless <laughs> yeah I started crying like my my eyes teared up and I couldn't sing sing without like cracking and um yeah that was well you know when I married Raphael we we got married by ourselves at the Beverly Hills courthouse yeah. and um we d- we just went there and it was kind of weird and David Lynchy <laughs> to be honest <laughs> but um but afterwards we were done and we we um sat in the car and we just like sat there in silence holding each other's hands and looking at our rings and he played that song and so um that Nick Cave song has been kind of like our song since yeah. and so I was like okay I'm gonna surprise him with the song um 
when when we get married in front of all our friends and family. But yeah, that was a wild wedding. I loved it. Oh, it was beautiful. <laughs> we got a lot of criticism for it. They were like, "What the hell is this?" And I'm just like, "Hey, you know, you're you know, so some people's idea of heaven is other people's idea of hell." You know? Right. <laughs> yeah, it was like just a, it was like living in an art art yeah. piece, right? That wedding was it was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. What is the alchemy of that love? How's it ignited you? Um, well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, going back to like the music stuff, like when obviously I wrote these songs a decade ago yeah, and, you know, I hadn't met my husband yet or anything. And it's like now, I, you know, we're so happy together and I don't really think about the person that wrote those songs about. We just kind of laugh and say, OK, these songs are about my cat, you know, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> but, but it's kind of been like one of those things where I've wanted to release this album to get it out there because I do want to write new stuff that's like updated feelings. You know, like I do have feelings about um, love that are so much different now than they were back then. And um, and they're not all happy, you know, and they're not all, you know, perfect. Um, I mean, I don't know how to write a happy song, but um, but yeah, I think, I, you know, I've never been loved by anybody in my life uh my family included uh than than how my husband loves me and it's like you know all the cliches all that like he really is my best friend you know and so it's one of those things where that whole entire ceremony that you watched like um that that was just me celebrating him you know that was my way of celebrating him in front of everybody and honoring him so it's i don't know it's pretty i feel really really lucky you know last night my my husband went out to eat um like at a birthday dinner with his friends and he so I stayed home with with my son and he came home and he just like rushed through the door to hug me and was like I'm so glad we have each other and I was like what happened Aww. and he was just like oh man it, I was hanging out at this party and just like the single life is rough like, <laughs> like he's like he, he was just listening to like girls and like their terrible experiences and I'm just like yeah, we're. I wouldn't know how to be single nowadays. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Let's we'll bring it to love made me do it. So yeah. the songs on this album, as you said, they, they they had another life at one point. Yeah. many years ago. How has time and the perspective, obviously, they have now? How how has that seasoned these songs and not only their meaning, but in reapproaching them? Well, I mean, to me, the, the songs mean what they mean. I know, I know what the lyrics are uh, talking about, and. Um, I'm not interested in changing that. I think like when people wrote songs during the wartime, um, just because the war is over doesn't mean the song's not about the war. And mm. and I'm okay with that. I think there it's like music's like tattoos in a sense where it's just like landmarks in time. And um, but you know, obviously I don't feel the, that way anymore. Like like there's a song called "I Am Nothing," for example, where I'm incredibly vulnerable, but also I- extremely pathetic in it. And I'm not pathetic anymore i don't i don't see myself that way but i had to go through that to become who i am now so i think um the sentiment is there and when i sing it i still feel it you know i just it's just not me anymore and i think most musicians go through that we we process things through writing anyway so it's like you know you, you write them you release them into the world and then you move on yeah yeah well, let's get into the cinema of the album a little bit yeah it starts with this and it, we've heard the whole the whole album <laughs> yeah uh, so it starts with this amazing intro that yeah. sounds kind of like john carpenter yeah meets a oh, giallo film yeah. or something and oh man greg my my synth player is gonna love you for that oh, his, yeah john carpenter's is like number one. Oh yeah. wow yeah. oh yeah you can yeah. hear that influence all yeah. over this thing which yeah we love yeah love. <laughs> So 
So you can you can listen to like like that first intro you, and all the other songs in the album. You can listen to this one with your eyes closed yeah. and your mind just gets injected full of imagery. And in this case, the album hasn't even started yet. We're just in the introduction <laughs> and this build. What is the intent behind coloring this experience with moments like yeah, that? Yeah, well, I mean, I love storytelling. I think that um, I'm still one of those people that buy records. I buy mm. full albums. I, I don't buy the single or whatever. And because I do like to, to see the, the, the arc of, of the entire album. Um, and I think you can only do that with doing it that way. Mm. But that intro in particular is like, um, well, first I should back up and say I have a contortionist in my band. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> her name is Bryn Rout and she's like a pure athlete. It's insane. Like the things she does with her body. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, so, you know, when, when the lockdown first started, I basically moved my, my bandmates to my house. We have like a two bedroom little bungalow in the back. I was like, bring your cats and your synthesizers. <laughs> we, got, we got this. <laughs> yeah. So they moved in and we basically, because I don't know about you, but for me, I, I just need to be productive. I need to be creative. I think, um, you know, uh, depression is an easy downhill slope for me if I'm not being in my element, you know? And I think the same goes for some of my bandmates. And so we really were like, hey, let's just be structured about it every day or every weekday from noon to five. Let's get together and work on music. So we started writing all these interludes and the intros and yeah. stuff like that. And th they were basically designed for these moments for Bryn to dance on stage while we're either doing an outfit change or just to have a spotlit moment as we were designing the stage show. And then as we were writing them, I'm like, man, I just love this song so much. It has to go on the record and we got the time. So let's just do it, you know? And, um, and it, you know, that intro is one of my favorite tracks on the record actually. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I listened to this uh, album, I think three times. Oh, cool. Because, you know, I was trying to figure out, I'm like, what are my favorite, favorite tracks? Right? Yeah. And I couldn't pick one. Oh, so I'm thanks. like, all right, can I play it? Yo, I hate them all. <laughs> no, I love them all. They're all fantastic. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I mean, but there, there are three standout tracks for me, Fear You, mm. uh, Vanish, and I Am Nothing. Yeah. I mean, your vocals are just so hauntingly oh, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. And I was wondering, like, since you have all these years of musical background, playing yeah. piano since you were a kid and all that, when did you find out, like, what was the moment like when you figured out your vocal range and were like, okay, I got it. This yeah. is how it's going to go. This is what it's going to sound like. You know, to, I, okay, so I've been like a concrete blonde fan like for all my life. I love I John Napolitano's voice, like uh, just that huskiness. And, yes. and I thought when I, I was like, maybe when I learn to sing, I'll sound like her. Not that I want to be her, but I'm just like, you know, because I have a pretty deep voice, you know? And then sure enough, it just turns out that like I have a, a kind of a higher range, you know? Um, my vocal coach, I mean, obviously we had to build that. I, I didn't have that from the beginning. Um, but I obviously sound nothing like her and um, tend to, to sit a little bit higher. But yeah, I don't know. As far as the classical music stuff goes, I think it's it's like a blessing and a crutch at the same time because, um, you know, classical music is very strict. It's very structured. For me, it's like almost like a video game. Like I have to hit every note at the right time and then I, I win. I can beat King Koopa or whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, but and when I started songwriting, I was working with Linda Perry and she was like, man, like, the classical music stuff is going to be like your worst enemy because like you need to be okay with being imperfect. And that was like a really hard, hard thing for me to break. Like, okay, I got to just sit down and be like little Richard and just play my feelings. And I, whereas before I'm like, if I want to play a sad song, I, I grab Chopin. If I want angry, I grab Beethoven. You know, it's like, so it's, 
it's like breaking bad habits that way. But I still, I mean, I still read sheet music. Uh, I even like transcribe all my songs onto sheet music. Oh, as well. wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm like a nerd. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah. I, need, I need those PDFs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, totally. I, I we're going to release them. those. Yeah, yeah. The Boo Crew will be right back. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Somewhere between science and superstition, there is another world. A world of darkness. Nobody expected it. Nobody believed it. And nothing could stop it. The one hope. The only hope. The Exorcist. Warner Brothers presents... William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist. The Exorcist, directed by William Friedkin. The Exorcist, rated R. Under 17, not admitted without parent. One of my favorite songs is The Calling. Oh, yeah. It closes thank you. the album. And yeah. talking about that, like, it's a great example, I think, of the influence of classical music soaking through the yeah. mel- melodies. Totally. These songs sound like sonatas <laughs> in that you. way. Tell us about that one in particular, yeah. building that chorus melody for so- that. Um, the calling, uh, that's actually one of my favorite tracks as, as well on the record, because it's one of the obscure ones is obviously was never planned on being like a hit single or anything. It was just like, we're going to be weird and we don't care. And the song is like one of the only not love songs on the album. It's about death. It actually is about Vampyra. And I've been a, a huge fan of Myla Nurmi uh, and Vampyra, her character for a really long time. And so then when I, I met up with Johnny Coffin, we became good friends and he was obviously really great friends with her before she passed away. And, um, does he kind of run the estate? I think, I think he has a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I love that because he loves her so much and he's so protective over it. So then he, at one day was like, Hey, look, like at one point in her life, she started recording her her beat poetry because she was like a poet, Yeah. but then also her diary entries. And I, I believe it was when she was in New York. Um, but I, I could be wrong, but so he had these real to real recordings of her just reading these beautiful poems. And I was like, no one's heard this before and i was like let me put this in my song and sure enough th- this one poem fits so perfectly in the bridge and um and so yeah so th- that the, that was me paying homage to her obviously and everything that i think uh she's inspired and still does till this day yeah wow <laughs> what is it what is it that you love so much about vampire um well i love i love her character obviously i think it's beautiful and i, I love when you think about the 1950s and what she was doing back then especially being like one of the first people on tv being crazy and wild you know yeah. <laughs> right. uh, and not caring and i mean that's just there's so much that goes behind that into building that kind of character but i think as a person like i've seen pretty much every interview that she's ever done and she just she philosophizes a lot of things and the way that she would see the world is just I 
you know, it's 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 a deep regret that I never got to meet her because at one point Johnny wanted me to meet her and I, you know, got busy or some shit and I'm like, I feel like we would have been good friends or I'd like to think we would have, you know. Were there any songs that you recorded that didn't make it onto the album? Oh, yeah. I mean, we I wrote about 22 songs with Linda just during our writing session. And then I've written songs with other people. But I feel like and, and I just got to go through those demos because there's some good stuff in there, too. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but um, but we're already working on album number two. So hopefully by the oh, time wow. we're the- back from tour, we can start touring again. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And the video for Exorcism, yeah. obviously, the first single you released. It's such a cool introduction to like <laughs> yes. all the different members of the band. Yeah, yeah. And you wrote and directed yeah. it. It's very unique. Yeah. You're walking up to a castle with yeah. a contortionist dressed in rubber, kind yeah. of doing her thing beside you. And yeah. each of the members of the band kind of fly in yeah. and join your plight. And it's total eye candy. Yeah. What what were some of the images that inspired that for um, you? Well, two, two major inspirations for that one. I was like, uh, I'm a huge fan of um, Alejandro Jodorowsky. Yes. And yes. So um, I love Holy Mountain, Santa Sangre. El Topo. And El Topo. So yeah. El Topo was like like my all-time favorite as far as aesthetics go like that's so weird yeah it's so cool i mean just that the, i remember seeing that intro of him like with his like naked son yep. on the back of a, right. a of a, a black horse with a black umbrella and he's going through um the desert and actually i you know i wear these like weird little things around my fingers or like little like leatherette cuffs and uh people are like oh what is that bandages i'm like oh no no it's just it's um I got it from El Topo because he's like wearing yeah. something similar. And I was like, it just reminds me of him. I think he's the coolest. So, but it, it was almost like Western Gothic right. meets, I don't even know, like uh, psychedelic, you know? And so I was like that. And then I looked at the Ace of Spades album cover, like from Motorhead. I yeah. Like, nice. And I just remember seeing like in my mind, you, you know, you see Lemmy in all black leather against like the tan sand and then the, this pastel blue sky and it was just like the juxtaposition of things that shouldn't 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 belong you know right. and so i was like okay i want to do something like that but there's little secret things like Bryn, for example does a little the little like spider walk and that yes. was like paying homage to the exorcist yes. of course <laughs> um and so yeah so we're, we're basically on a mission to get to the top of this mountain where there's a castle where my secret love is, is waiting for me and then, obviously, the, the spoiler is that it's my cat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My beautiful cat. In the uh, comments on the, on the video, you thank someone for staying up with you for an entire week yeah. to watch every exorcism yeah. movie that has ever existed. Yeah, my, my friend Kevy. Yeah, we, we have watched every single, I mean, a lot of bad ones, you guys. <laughs> well, what, what is like, what is an example of, of, I don't know, two great ones and then, yeah, well, this, yeah what yeah, are sure. the best ones? The best okay, ones. Okay, my favorite exorcism movies. I love The Exorcist, okay? Yeah. I don't know why people hate on part two and three because I think they're great. I think part two is so awesome. I love like the origin story of things and I thought the visuals were really cool, especially for that time. So I would definitely say the the Exorcist um, saga or whatever yeah. trio. And then um, 
I think uh, The Right is one of my favorites with Anthony Hopkins. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen <gasps> you it. You haven't? No. Oh, it's that movie. Have you seen it? Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, oh, I don't want to ruin it for you. It's, it's so, fantastic. It's so great. I, oh, my God. I mean, it's Tony Hopkins. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> and a bunch and of that, cats. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cats are involved. <laughs> um, but the best, I think they were the most realistic exorcism scenes. I felt like the actors were so great. Like Italian actors, I believe. Yeah. Because it was all shot in Italy. Um, and then... You know, I, I love the the exorcism of Emily Rose, but I don't really consider that like technically like a horror movie or anything because to me it was more like a court movie. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Um, but it, it still was, I thought, I th- that that one was pretty moving. I, I think I cried when they when they read out loud like her her letter of surrendering to yeah. the demon. Um, so yeah, I'd say those are my, my top three favorites. Yeah. You know, just this week, uh, it was announced that they're going to make three more movies. Like there's a huge deal was like signed. Ellen Burstyn's coming back. Oh, the Exorcist, the, the yeah. original. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. She's playing the mom. Like whatever, whatever it is, forty years later. Whatever. Oh, wow. Um, but nobody knows what the plot is. And I was thinking, yeah. in your mind, what do you think the plot? I have no idea. Be? Like, I have like no what would you like to see? Oh, I don't know. Because you, you've seen it all. We've all yeah, seen it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've seen you know. Emily yeah, Rose, I, I watched this. Exorcist Part One when I was way too young to watch. Yeah, Exorcist. <laughs> 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 I remember it, it did fuck me up a bit. But um, I don't know what the new plot would be. I'm interested and curious to see what it what it because you know we, we look around and we always ask people like what scares you right? Everybody's so desensitized. Oh yeah, I you know, you know the simplest things scare me. Like there's one movie. Um, is it okay if I talk yeah. about another oh, movie? Of course. Of course. Yeah. So there's like a movie called Creep. Did you see it? Creep. I know of. Is that like a found footage kind of movie? Like someone's filming it, somebody, it's, right? It's very yeah. It's yeah. filmed like kind of Blair Witch style, yeah. but 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 not that bad. But it's like I mean like it's not going to make you sick or anything. But um. But it's about like a you know a guy who puts out an ad on Craigslist to get some somebody to come in a live-in assistant and it you know it turns crazy right. But um, there's like two scenes in there. One of them in particular is like where you know he's just walking past a window and you just see the guy like staring through the window with like death in his eye and it's just like to me those things like really scare me because like I think that's my worst nightmare is like having a stalker inside my house right. and. Uh, and I don't know that, that he's watching me. And then I look over and I see his reflection. I think that would scare me the most. I'm not scared of ghosts. I'm not scared of even demons. I feel like I, w- I have enough protection. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I don't fear that, but I feel like, um, like psychotic people are scary to me. There, like, there's, you can't make logic reason with them. Right. You know, yeah. Yeah. like the strangers, like yeah. that kind of, that those kind of movies. scare yeah. Me the most like yeah. home invasion mm-hmm. people in the house. Cause like, that could really yeah, happen. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. What would you say? Do you watch? Are you a horror movie fan? Yeah, I love do you go movies. out and watch them a, a lot? Like, yeah. Well, what are some of your favorites? Um. So let's see. Mm, uh, like newer or sure. any go genres? For or? Go for newer. Yeah. Okay. Well. Well. Okay. Newer. Newer. I would say. Um. Let me start off with zombie because that's an easy one. Um. Zombie. My favorite zombie movie of all time, I think, is like. Um. 28 days later yeah nice i think that one was so beautifully shot and again they didn't use like crazy gore or anything. it was just like the like there was that moment where he's looking over the balcony and then like one of them just like quickly looks up and yeah. it just like it's so spooky and it's awesome and it, there was such great um writing in that one and the soundtrack was like my favorite i remember when that movie came out it was back before ipods and stuff <laughs> and like i remember um Tower Records, that's where you would get your music. And I was like, I need to get this soundtrack. And I went to three different Tower Records and they were all sold out. And um, I think John Murphy did the soundtrack to that one. And it was very beautiful and cinematic. And they had a few band 
like um, songs on there, but I don't know. Just the theme song to that is still one of my favorite songs. I feel like. Um, okay, so it's like a zombie movie. I think gore, like like really super gory. I would say um, that French movie Martyrs. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. That's, that's one. Intense. I have Dude. still not seen. Oh, it. Oh, you haven't? No, we saw the guy. The guy did that other one. The um, oh, an American version, right? Or no, he did another movie that we recently saw that was amazing. With the the girl from uh, Motherland was in it. Oh, uh, incident. In incident in a ghost land. Yeah, he did oh. that. But yeah, so no, I wanted no. to go back and watch. Yeah, martyrs because everyone loves that. Yeah, I love it because I love like psychological like anything that is about philosophy. And yeah. I think like the ending to that, it's, it's one of those movies that you're going to end up talking about with your friends forever. I mean, from and also too, I also love like the revenge aspect of it because in the beginning, it's very. Um, unclear as to who the bad guy is you right. know and then you it kind of unfolds and um but yeah the, the there's like i'm not supposed to talk about like spoiler stuff right oh it's fine you oh, go yeah, ahead yeah, yeah, yeah there's yeah. like a throat slitting scene in the rain that that one really still fucks me up when right. i think about it i'm just like she like slits yep. her own throat and i'm just like <laughs> but yeah but the ending of course is the most intense but um yeah so uh let's see and then i think I mean, I, I love the classics. Like, I love Suspiria. I know it's technically yeah. not um, horror, but um, like anything Argento to me, like I, like a lot of the stuff I shoot too, even in photographs and stuff, I always try to not mimic, but just inspired by that lighting, you know, the different like teals against pinks, right. you know, and did you watch the Suspiria remake? You know, I haven't, I bought it and it's in my like to watch list with, with Tilda Swinton, right? Yeah. Um, she plays three characters in the movie. She's so cool. And you get a it's gonna blow your mind when you yeah. figure out which three they are. You'd be like, "What? Wow! Oh, I it's can't good. Wait. It's good." I just don't know how you can top the visuals on that because the original. I mean, even that that building was so beautiful. Yeah, I mean, yeah. oh my god. I mean, newer stuff. I don't really know what's going on with the newer stuff. I haven't watched a lot of news. But you know what? I did see this really great movie called "I See You." Yes, with Helen Hunt. Yeah, yes. that movie was great, yeah. dude. Was you know what I love? Okay, when I watch a horror movie with my husband, like he will know the ending like five minutes into a movie every time, and he he's always right. You predict it, yeah. yeah. And did he predict? No, this one? dude, no. Yeah, because it's crazy. It's, dude, yeah. There's like three yeah. or four yeah. different tr twists that you're like, yeah. holy, like yeah. wait a minute, and then at the end you're like, never would have guessed. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. That one was really I thought great, and uh, again it was like at first you think it's supernatural or you think you know, yep. But there's that. Like it doesn't take a lot to scare you. It's just more like the the doom that you feel throughout the whole, and I don't know, movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was gonna ask about just like the music of not necessarily horror films, but just in general, like yeah. cinematic music, because there is that kind of sound on the album as well. Yeah. Are there any scores that you really love? I mean, you mentioned yeah. the one you went out and but it's our record. I love that one. I, I mean, obviously, Suspiria. I love Goblins. Yeah, so that Goblins. Such a great. Amazing, yeah. yeah. I think one of the one of the coolest surprisingly coolest soundtracks to a horror movie would be that movie the guest yes yeah. so they like i went and i tried like you know nobody sells soundtracks anymore i feel like the last time they sold soundtracks was like when romeo and juliet with yeah, Leonardo, like, that, came yeah. yeah and um but i was like i really want to buy this entire it had like clan of zmox on it it had like a bunch of weird synth bands i'd never heard of and um there's one song in particular by some artist named Annie, I, who I didn't know who she was. It's like an electronic girl singer, and it's like such a great song on that on that whole soundtrack. So. Yeah, that director is a massive synthwave fan. Oh, really? Yeah, and he turned like he did Godzilla I, versus King Kong. Yeah, it's like a synthwave movie. That's so yeah, cool. synthwave oh monster movie. That makes so. me so happy. Yeah, yeah. I was just surprised because you know when you watch the movie, I'm like, oh, it does, you wouldn't think that they would match up. 
right. like, synth yeah. sounds to this like aesthetic because it's kind of like they're in the country a little bit, you know? Yeah. But um, but that was a really good storyline too. I love that one. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah. I also love Gretel and Hansel. Yeah, we were oh, talking yeah. about that. Yeah. 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 The and score Rob. for that one, um, it was the guy who, uh, his Rob. name's Rob. And he's in a band, uh, Phoenix. He works with a band called Phoenix, oh, a French the, band the French called Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The one that spells it wrong? Or? Yes, I yeah, think, yeah. 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 And uh, his score for that That's was awesome. unbelievable. Yeah, yep. and, uh, so yeah cool. I ended up picking up that on vinyl. Yeah. Like all these, like, there's like Waxwork Records, one of these companies that uh, they are constantly going and back and making vinyl reissues yeah. of old soundtracks and That's making so cool. kind of a collectible yeah. thing, like yeah. making the vinyl look cool or whatever. So, I mean. You know, you know what soundtrack is that. awesome too is Devil's Rejects because I mean, I'm, oh. a, I'm I'm a huge fan of Terry Reed. Like, not a lot of people know who he is, and his music is so amazing. And for some reason, like, uh, there's a song called Seed of a Seed of Memory, and that one isn't available anywhere unless you buy it on the soundtrack. Oh wow! But that soundtrack has Almond Brothers and uh, Elvin Bishop, like Fooled Around and Fell in Love. That song is yeah. so good. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about your your recent single you've got out. Mm-hmm. Uh, called Enough and mm-hmm. it's written by Chris Brenner yeah. who you're introduced to by Danny Loner yeah, yeah. what about the song and, and Chris's work resonated with you yeah well so when I was first writing my album um, I was living down or up the street from Danny Loner and from Nine Inch Nails and he he actually lives in a castle too like it's a pretty cool castle oh, um, cool. and uh, and so we, we love the same music you know where we love Depeche Mode The Cure all that stuff and so we were working on songs and then he pulled up this demo. It was like a, a really stripped down demo version of this song called Enough that his friend who isn't, um, you know, I think he's he's mainly a photographer by nature or whatever or by day. And then he just writes these beautiful songs by night. And um, I think he wrote a bunch of stuff for Mila Jovovich. And um, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. She did some music for a while, too. But uh so I loved this song so much. I thought it was so beautiful. That's that's like uh, one of the, there's only two songs on the album that I didn't write. That one and then the Peter Murphy duet that I did. Peter wrote the, all the lyrics for. Uh, it's chilling um, when, and when his voice comes oh on. God, it's yeah. chilling. I love Bauhaus. I feel like that yes. song, honestly, I'm just waiting for him to come. That's the, whole, the entire time. Like, I just want to hear his voice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> fuck, fuck me. You know? I, I, I grew up such a huge Bauhaus fan. Me too. When I heard your song, I was like, what? Yeah. And it was, it's cool because you get to hear his voice like against yeah. a wall of synthesizers. Yep. It's like not really what you would ever expect. Right, you know? right. So, and he loves it. So that, that, that I mean, just to be in the same sentence with him was like such an honor I was yeah. just like oh my god this is crazy <laughs> so for the tour are you going to bring him, bring him out I hope so we, be we, amazing. I, I really wanted to do a video for that song actually oh. but he lives in Turkey so oh. um, hopefully one day if our you know stars align and we're in the same place at the same time so the sons of dolphins have learned to sleep they found the rest I wanted to ask when you, when that was recorded, were you able to be in the same room and watch that happen, or did you just no. get a file and be yeah, able to he, listen to he, it? They recorded. So actually, Chris Brenner and Danny and Peter wrote that song. I think Peter wrote all the lyrics and the melodies. Yeah, and then Chris wrote all the some of the, the or most of the piano and stuff. So so when they showed that to me, like I was like, oh, because uh, they were like, hey, this would make a great duet, and I was like, oh, I'd love to do that, and I was like, only if obviously if we get his blessing. And he was like, oh, I love her voice. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> so he was, amazing. yeah. And then by then he was already in Turkey. So I was like, 
hopefully we get to be in the same room soon. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. the video directed by, now, how do you say oh, his name? Us. Frank Sazzoni? Oh, Franz Sazzoni. Franz Sazzoni. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's one of my favorite photographers. So I love his cool. stuff. cool. Yeah, yeah. I've seen other music videos and yeah. stuff that he's done too for his own stuff. Yeah. 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 He just, he marries like all like the beautiful with like the macabre. And that's what I love about him that it's like, it's very surreal and colorful, but then it's, uh, there's a, a pentagram or a skull, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and you got kind of like nautical. Yeah. Pirate so, outfits. So I didn't write or direct any of that. That was all Franz. And so um, he did all the costuming and everything. And I was like, man, you're really pushing me outside my comfort zone here. Because I don't, I always wear black. So this was like me in color. He's like, what do you think about this pink sash? And I was like, okay, <laughs> whatever you say. <laughs> but yeah, that'll be the last time you see me in pink, but it's worth it. And Bryn looks awesome yeah. in that. She's got like, yeah. a, like a mermaid creature from yeah. the Black Lagoon yeah. kind of look right. to it. Yeah, she was uh, in makeup for about five hours, all the prosthetic stuff. And she's such a trooper, man. But um, I, I love that, like sailing past this crazy you know, sea creature. It's <laughs> oh, beautiful. Are yeah. there any places that you go that are really special to you that inspire you to write? Um, yeah, I, I wish it was that easy to just have a place that you go to. For me, it's more like the ideas like come to me and it could be in the middle of the night. It could be during a podcast interview or whatever. <laughs> and then I just either have to write it down and then, and then later on spend time, you know, on my own with it. But, um, yeah, it's not, I, I mean, I really do love my house, to be honest. I'm a, I'm a big homebody. Mm -hmm. I don't go out very often. And so we have like the pink room upstairs. It's like a, I kind of do color, color thematic rooms. So there's like a blue room. There's a, and so the, the pink room is like where we, my band and I have all, all our synths set up and there's like our pianos in there and stuff. So sometimes I can go up there and, um, and just close the door and write because it's quite peaceful and it's soundproofed already. But yeah, I'd say that would probably be one of my favorite places to write. But I could write anywhere, really. Yeah. <laughs> I Am Nothing is turned into a wonderful piece of cinema yeah. by Linda Strawberry, who's yeah. the creative director for the Smashing Pumpkins, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's helped create a video. It's kissed with glitter and yeah. glass. Yeah. And once again, each member of the band, their uniqueness is spotlighted. Yeah. Tell us just a little bit about working with her and the vision of the vision for the the band to kind of empower yeah. the experience of the music with their personalities as well. Sure. Well, I mean, I think there's like a lot of times where I see bands and I won't say who they are, but like they kind of just have like the lead singer is in a spotlight and then everybody else is treated like hired guns or something, right. you know, whereas like I've, I see ourselves as bands like we're a band. They're my bandmates. And so. I can't do it without them. And together, we're like the Power Rangers. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> together, we're much more powerful. So, um, For you millennials, it's like the Avengers. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just dated myself now. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and I, and also, like, I'm, I'm like their biggest fan, to be honest. Like, I, sometimes I stare at my drummer and I'm like, you're the coolest guy ever. Oh, my God. You know, with your beard in the wind and your leather daddy look, you know, <laughs> like he's just so awesome. And then Sammy's just so talented and she's just like a firecracker. Yeah. I, I met her when I was on on tour with IMX because I sang on a few songs on their last record. She plays synth for them as well. And uh, I played her like a demo of Exorcism at the time. And she was like, oh, man, I would love to if you ever need a keyboard player, let me know. And so she was actually the first bandmate that I ever recruited. But yeah, so I I don't mind um, carrying the weight of being a front man, but at the same time, I like um, 
you know, especially to writing music videos. I'm like, it's, it's kind of fun. Like when I, when I think about videos now, it's never like, okay, it's me in a bathtub. Like it's going to be like, all right, I'm on a mission. Like, this is what Sammy's character is going to be. And then this is great. You know, and you're that's like, fun. Yeah, it's totally yeah. fun. Like there's a video that's coming up for, for the song fear you. That's, that's my favorite song on the album. Yes. My favorite number is number five. That's why it's track number five. And, um, and so that one I'm really excited about because we actually did like a storyline. There's like, it's like a bit of a movie in the beginning that leads into, um, cause I was like, I want to make one violent video. All of our videos so far have been very pretty. And I'm just like, I want to do one violent video. And so that one's going to be exciting. I think people are going to love that. <laughs> they, everybody did acting in it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And then the album was mixed by Dan from Gunship, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and oh my God, the first time that I ever heard you sing was on Black Blood oh, Red cool. Kiss. Oh, yeah. awesome. I Not only that. their best song, but like their <laughs> fucking coolest video. Yeah. Too. yeah, I love that you love Gunship because yeah. like I think everybody should know who they are. They're so amazing. <sighs> like they're one of my favorite synthwave bands of all time. So, and I was just, you know, I met them on Instagram because I used to always like post videos of random stuff in slow motion. And then I would put like, songs on the videos of like bands that were obscure that i want people to like be exposed to you know so i did a song that one of their songs called the mountain it's like it's my favorite gunship song ever and so i put that a, a, against a video on instagram and they saw it and they were like oh my god that's so cool that you like us and i'm like yeah i love you guys so much and then they saw i was making music and then dan said hey like i would love for you to to sing on a song and i'm like all right cool like Let's do it. <laughs> How did it feel to get the gunship treatment and, you know, that, yeah. that old 80s retro video to yeah. see what they created with right. you? How did that feel well, as a fan? It's it's amazing, obviously. I feel like I've made some of the best amazing friends throughout this entire journey. But, like, I think to me it's like I get so excited. Like, when, when we first met today, I was like, oh, I love it. It's a fellow person who's, like, a junkie for the same stuff, you know? And, like, with, with Dan, um, he's he's all about analog synthesizers. He's a nerd about it. And I love it. Like, so it's just like, Oh cool. You're as passionate about something as I am. And now we get to create something together. And it's really, really exciting. I was just grateful that they made the time cause it was a lot of work. And, um, he definitely did go over the top. He didn't just mix it. He also like added some post-production stuff oh. that really made the album, you know? That's awesome. You yeah. can, yeah, you can, you can sense yeah. uh, that, that gunship magic on yeah. this too. So, but kind of finally, what has preparation for tour been like? What on earth could this experience have in store for us? There's so many well, cool things yes. you can do with it. Well, I love production in general. I think just having been on TV from such an early age and then learning production and filming, I just was like, I really want to make this as visual as possible. You know, like I remember when I would go see like Sigaros play and I'm like, Oh, their projections were always so beautiful. I could cry just looking at them, you know? Yeah. It wasn't just a guy in a cardigan at a mic just singing, you know what I mean? And so I, I really want to do that. And that's part of the reason why Bryn is part of our band, you know, because like she's going to be a part of the um, the storytelling, really. So actually, uh, this week we have, uh, we're filming with Linda Strawberry again because she's helping me do all the art direction for the live shows. And so we're going to be filming um, basic vignettes for each song that will be played on crazy like LED screens wow. and there's going to be like light shows. And then obviously Bryn will have her moments and I've been taking flamenco dance lessons. So oh, <laughs> there'll be cool. all kinds of craziness. Wow. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So when is, when is the very first show? So we start, well, we're going to have a record release party, which you should come to. Um, and that's just going to be for our friends and stuff. Um, and I think we're going to perform like a few songs just, just for friends and family. And then our official tour will start in September. We do four warm-ups, um, Phoenix, San Diego, LA, and SF. 
And then after that, we'll start the official U.S. tour for uh, in February, February, March. Yeah. And then I think we have routing for Europe in May. Oh, that's so, so exciting. Yeah, it so is exciting. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Well, uh, as, as we said before, I mean, so many amazing things in store. And this is going to be an incredible album to experience live. And we just oh, can't wait you. for it. Thank and you. And we're such so huge excited. fans of what you created with this thing. It's so unique. <laughs> yeah, we love, it. we love awesome. it. Awesome. Thanks. Yep. All right. I, I got to ask, yeah. since Halloween yeah. is on the horizon, yeah. it's almost August. Yeah. So we're getting close to fall. <laughs> what does a typical Halloween season look like for you? Do you go... To parties, do you go to haunts, knots, <laughs> Universal? You know, I used to go. There's like one like haunted hayride in Griffith Park that we yeah. used to go oh, to. Yeah. But you know, and I hate to give you a boring answer here, but like ever since I had a kid, it's just it. so exciting now. Like to like, I just want to pass out candy and yeah. like decorate the hell out of the house, you know, because we're already the the creepy house on the block. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right? like like I was on my balcony the other day, and I was like, uh, I could, you know, people don't see me, and but I could hear them when they're like jogging or riding their bikes. And this little girl was like, "This is where the villains live." <laughs> <laughs> That's when you know you're doing yes. things right. And I was like, yeah. "I love you." I'm like, "You get me." <laughs> so. We went all out this last Christmas. Like I've got like six foot tall candy canes that went all across the house. Oh, with like wow. we made it snow. It was just, oh my it was, gosh. We had oh, like giant toy soldiers. It was crazy. People came from everywhere to take pictures. It was, it was so much fun. And I'm like, I want to do that for Halloween. So I don't know. I think we're gonna do something crazy at the house but that's fun who knows we might end up playing a Halloween show yeah exactly exactly <laughs> yeah. there's when, uh, there's something that I don't know if you've ever done this but it's something we've done every year it's it's a local company and it's called Delusion have you uh -huh. ever done Delusion no what is it oh my so gosh you, I think you would love it because yeah. so every yeah. year what they do is it's it's the stunt team behind like the movies like The Dark Knight and everything so there's all these like Hollywood stunt team and they, they, they get together and they write a play uh -huh. and it's usually Victorian or old world in nature. And the whole thing is every year they find a different historic LA venue oh, cool. and they go inside and take it over and they perform a haunted play for a small group of you and your friends. But you're, how you're do I get actively, in on that list? Actively take part in it too. <laughs> That's so, so cool. So everyone in the group has to do something in the house and you know, they've, they've had it, everything in an old uh, Silver Lake like a historic Silver Lake hospital we were in one. Yeah. Oh, and amazing. they actually like, had us. Beds, you'll have to like go underneath the beds and beds will start levitating. It's it, like you're in shit. a movie. It feels like you're in a, a, yeah, a movie. It's in, it's insane. So they do them every year, but they start them in like September and they, they go all the way to like November. That's amazing. But yeah, something like that I could picture you. Yeah. Yeah. In on that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so oh my God, I would love to. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. awesome. Well, Kat, thank you so much yeah. for taking the time to come out here and spend with us today. Oh man, thank you for having me. Us. We just love you. Yeah. We love you too. <laughs> that was the Boot Crew Podcast episode 254. Special thanks to our guest, Kat Von D, and special thanks to you for listening. A time of release. Her new album, Love Made Me Do It, is available everywhere now. They're on tour this fall. Dates at KatVonD.com. Music for this episode from Kat Von D. Production tracks provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it is the Boot Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand And Leone D'Antonio The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand Chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand The Boo Crew is a TSP creation Part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network Bye Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network, home of the Boo Crew. Bye.
SCP archives, weekly full cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy or disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.